is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Monday, October 19th, week six of the NFL season, all just about wrapped up. We've got an amazing doubleheader tonight, highlighted by a five o'clock game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, both of those teams looking to avenge. Uh, their first losses of the season this past week, the Bills to the Titans, the Chiefs to the Raiders, two of the hottest quarterbacks in football, two of the best arms in football facing off against each other. Really exciting game. Uh, I'm looking forward to – I'm on Central Time. I get to watch this game at 4 p.m. That is amazing, 4 p.m. on a Monday, um, especially working from home, kind of just cut it out early. So looking forward to that, of course – after that, we've got a uh, late Monday night football game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Cowboys. Um, Andy Dalton, of course, now in at quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, looking to avenge, he's lost four straight games on Monday night football, so hopefully trying to break that streak as uh, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals hope to win two in a row after dropping two straight to start the season, or two after dropping two losses before this past week after going 2-0 to start the season as well, too. So um, two exciting games tonight to, uh, to um, finish up week six, but all we're doing here today is we're going through the games on Sunday, uh, just taking a look at the scores, my impressions on some of these teams, any apologies I have to uh, throw out there, um, and, and things like that. One last thing that we'll want to talk about before, make sure to head over um, to, to the channel. I need to do a better job of promoting this show. If you can please all uh, like, subscribe, leave a review. Um, I really appreciate the feedback. We're trying to grow this thing, um, so I, I do need to put some more effort into marketing out this show, but I really appreciate your uh, your continued support of the show. Um, it was a rough week gambling also. You know, we'll have Teddy back on this Friday to talk about it. Not too great. Um, Money-wise, I took a beating. Picks-wise, I think I'm still in line to beat Teddy uh, for... I guess what would be the fifth week in a row, but we'll have to see. I know I know he's on Arizona tonight. I'm on the Cowboys. We're both on the Chiefs, so interesting to see how those all play out. Uh, but that's all the updates I really have. Really want to get into these games on Sunday and, and talk about everything that transpired. So let's start off in Carolina. Two, two really talented teams taking on each other. Uh, the Chicago Bears pull out the win, 23-16. Uh, to 16. Chicago is 5-1 and one on the season. 3-0 on the road for the first time since 2006. I think we all remember that season. They made it to the Super Bowl, uh, played against the Indianapolis Colts. Um, meanwhile, Carolina, they fall to 3-3. Three three. Um, name of the game was the Chicago Bears defense to me. Uh, they really held tight against a uh, Carolina offense that was humming. Um, really had one of the uh, more talented trios of receivers in the league playing so far this year in Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and DJ Moore, obviously highlighting uh, those those star-studded core, and yeah, the Bears defense really really uh, did its part. They forced a couple turnovers on Teddy, uh, recovered a fumble as well too, got to the quarterback a lot, put a lot of pressure on that uh, Panthers offensive line, and um, really really made the Panthers one-dimensional. You know, they got ahead, and uh, Carolina did have to abandon the run game probably a little bit earlier than they would like, just to take a look at the stats so we can pull those numbers up. They did get 18 carries out of Mike Davis, but like I said, that front did a really good job um, kind of, like I said, making them one-dimensional. They had to go to the pass more than often. Davis only averaged 2.9 yards a carry. Um, to me, these are, you know, Chicago is a legit team. They are. You know, we do have to start taking them seriously. I was on the Bears to win this one. Um, their offense does look better with Nick Foles under center. The defense is talented. Um, do I think that we need to start considering them as like, a, oh, are they, a, you know, 
someone that's going to make a deep playoff run, push for a Super Bowl? I don't believe so. I think that they can, I mean, starting 5-1, and one, you would hope that they don't, you know, fall apart and miss the playoffs. So I do imagine that this is a playoff caliber team. Uh, really comes down to can they win the division over Green Bay? I don't believe so. Um, but this is a, a Bears team we have to take seriously. They're well coached. Um, they've got talented playmakers. Um, and Nick Foles is an upgrade over Mitch. Uh, for the Panthers, really not a whole lot to say. I, I think that this is a team that really they're just going to hang around all season, no matter the opponent. They play teams tight. They're not going to get blown out. They're well coached. The offense is very intricate. Really, it came down to Teddy had to do a lot and, and uh, you know, forced a couple of turnovers there. Um, completion percentage wasn't great. Really, it, it wasn't an awful game by the Panthers. They played it close. Um, they almost came away with the win, but they just fell short. So um, Bears win this one, move to 5-1. and one. Carolina down 2-3-3. Three and three. Let's move over to Indianapolis, where a doozy of a game. Uh, the Bengals take an early 21-0 lead. And the Colts storm all the way back. They outscore the Bengals 31-6 the rest of the way. Indianapolis now 4-2 on the season for the second year in a row. Uh, Cincinnati falls to 1-4-1. The story of this game to me, Phillip Rivers. You know, I, I was very critical of Phil. Um, everybody was critical of Phil, you know, after last week. And, and really through his play through the first, you know, five games of the season, um, I had said that the Colts are really only a team that can uh, protect leads. They aren't teams that can overcome deficits. Uh, fortunately enough, they started chopping away at the deficit in the second quarter. It was a close game by halftime, and they were able to pull it out in the second half. All things considered, I'm still cautious on the Colts. It was only the Bengals. They have a really bad defense. They're one of those teams. They're one of those teams that can say, I apologize for all the, the noise to bushes running through my apartment right now. Um, but really, the, the Bengals aren't a team that can protect a lead. They don't have a good run game. They don't have a good offensive line. Be they don't have a good run game because of the offensive line. Um, they're not a team that can really hold on and protect leads uh, just by the way that their team is set up. You know, their strengths aren't defense or, you know, the offensive line. So really, if they get a lead on anybody, um, you know, teams are going to be able to make comebacks on them. The Colts were able to pull this off. I still don't have a ton of confidence in them um, as, you know, in terms of like, Ranking up against, you know, the rest of the AFC, I still think they're a playoff caliber team. They're not a team that is going to, you know, beat the best teams in the league. Um, huge, though, that they're heading into the bye. Um, they are going to be come back healthy uh, by, by week eight. Just, you know, a couple guys, Michael Pittman will be returning. Uh, Kamoko Ture on defense, who really was a strong piece of that defensive front. Um, at the end of last season, he will be returning, playing for the first time this season. Um, Darius Leonard should be back and ready to return. So uh, the Colts are going to be locked and loaded when they come back in week eight. Hopefully uh, they can get some, some good wins in place and, and show a little bit more. I think I still have questions on the offensive line. It, it's, it is having a down year. It's, it's okay to admit that. You know, they're a great offensive line, but it's, it's been a little bit down. Um, and then also, you know, Frank Reich, the, the play calling – to start that game wasn't really good, and then he, he just had to put full faith in Rivers, and Rivers delivered. Um, will he be able to do that all season? I don't think so, but um, an impressive win uh, at the very least. Pulling out a, you know, coming out of a 21-0 deficit, um, very impressive. Moving on now to a game that really nobody probably paid that much attention to, unless you're a fan of either of these teams. The Detroit Lions travel down to Jacksonville. 
pick up a pretty easy win, 34-16 over the Jaguars. The Lions now 2-3. The Jaguars fall to 1-5 for the Lions. I was all over this. I thought they were going to beat them pretty easily. Uh, vertical passing offenses really, you know, just pick apart this Jaguars defense. There's no talent on this defense. So if you have if you have talented receivers, if you have a quarterback that can throw it deep, you're going to have a pretty easy time against Jacksonville. Um, you know, the Lions aren't going to be a great team this year still. I don't have confidence in, in terms of just the defense and the offensive line. I just really think that good teams will still beat them pretty easily. Um, DeAndre Swift, though, really impressive game. Uh, first Detroit rookie with 100-plus rushing yards and two touchdowns since 1989. Um, and then, meanwhile, let's talk about the Jags. You know, I think it's official to say that, hey, you know, Doug Marone's time isn't... isn't um, Doug Marone's time is coming up, whether it'll be midseason, I, I don't know. I think they'll probably wait till the offseason to move on. And I think it's also pretty safe to say, depending on where they're picking, that, that you know, we'll be moving on from Gardner Minshew. He's a fun guy, really just one of the great characters in football. You know, it's, it's nice that we're getting kind of a guy that I think could be like a, uh, getting a guy that can be like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, I think he can be someone that travels around the league to a bunch of teams and is a serviceable backup that, hey, maybe, you know, Every few starts, he'll, he'll light up a team. Um, but I don't think that he can be relied on as a franchise quarterback. You just take a look at the numbers, 25 of 44, 243, one touchdown, one pick. Um, look, they've got good talent around him. I just, I, you know, in terms of playmakers, you know, James Robinson, DJ Chark, uh, Keelan Cole, Lavinska Chenault. So they're definitely um, talented receivers and playmakers around him. It's just not a good team. These are both bad teams. I'm already mad that I've been talking this long about it. We don't need to talk about these teams that much. Uh, Lions win it easy. And <laughs> we've got two more games lined up next to here that I feel the same way, so we'll kind of breeze through these. The Atlanta Falcons, they pick up their first win of the season um, in the post-Dan Quinn era, 40-23 to over the Minnesota Vikings. Um, both teams now 1-5. and five. This is where I was, this is a big, you know, where Blake was wrong heading into week six. I was all over the Vikings. I thought, you know, the, the Falcons defense is so bad that if they can just get to an early lead and just run the ball with Alexander Madison, it'll be totally fine. They didn't take the early lead. They had to pull out from behind. I mean, just taking a look at the scores. I mean, they were down 20 to nothing at halftime. You can't, you can't run your offense the way you want to um, when you're pulling out that deficit. Obviously, Minnesota stormed back. Um, tried to put up as much points in the second half as possible, but some key turnovers from uh, Kirk Cousins, three interceptions. I think that's his second three-pick game this season. He had one against the Colts earlier this year. Madison, like I said, you couldn't do a lot with him. They only ran the ball 10 times with him. They were just down early. One guy I was all over in the draft was a guy, Justin Jefferson. That's what I'll say about the Vikings. I guess a, a positive to take away is that this dude is a stud um, in the making. He's he's a talented receiver. I was I gave the I gave a team like the Eagles a lot of shit for not drafting um, you know for drafting Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. We haven't seen Rager play yet. Justin Jefferson is balling out. I think that was uh, one of the bigger misses of, of the draft this past year. He has been a stud. Nine catches, 166 yards, two touchdowns um, on 11 targets. Both of these teams pay their quarterbacks a lot. Their quarterbacks are playoff proven. Um, 
both of these teams would move on in the right scenario. So, you know, we got to take a look at both these teams. They're sitting at one and five. Their quarterbacks aren't getting any younger. They're not getting better. I think that's one thing to admit, too. Like, hey, we've got Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan. Neither of those guys are going to get better through the rest of their careers. They are either at the level they're at or they're going to start declining. So when you hit to the offseason and you say, okay, Atlanta and Minnesota, maybe they're picking in the top 10. How do they go about their draft? I think both of these teams would move on from their current quarterback situation, um, especially Minnesota. But you know, we'll kind of just have to wait and see as this as this all rolls out. Of course, these teams are more than capable of pulling out wins. You know, with the talented offenses that they have, you know, with with the receiving talent and the running backs, they can win some ugly games. Um, it just really depends where they're finishing at the end of the draft. I I, I don't really have a whole lot to say. Um, I guess on these, uh, you know. Good for Matt Ryan, four touchdowns, zero picks. Uh, you know, impressive showing from him. But, you know, both these teams are, are in for down seasons. I was I was really wrong about this one. I thought it was Minnesota easy. They just couldn't play their style of game when they got down 20 to nothing in the first half. Another game to talk about in uh, New York, two one and five teams now as well, the New York Giants. Joe Judge picks up his first win of his uh, head coaching career against the Washington football team. They take it 20 to 19. Uh, Daniel Jones, 3-1 and one against the Washington football team in his career. Really ugly game, really wild game. Uh, Ron Rivera going for two at the end to just try and put the Giants away, trying to avoid overtime. You know, he, he had a quote after the game about why he went for two, and it's like, we need to teach this team to always go for the win if we're going to, to be, you know, a team that wants to win. I, I don't know. I would have liked to, I just don't get, analytics is, is so, the analytics coming into football is such an interesting decision. I will talk about the Texans later in this episode as well too. I just, like I get it, the coin toss, if it doesn't go your way, chances are you're not winning that game. I, I know that the overtime rule is stupid, but, you know, just I'm, I'm watching the two-point conversion right now. They had nothing. I just, I hate letting it come down to one play from the two-yard line to decide if you're going to win or lose. I just would rather take it to overtime in those situations. Um, now, obviously, if if we, if we they're converting this, maybe we look at it and say, hey, hats off to, uh, you know, a gutsy call from Ron Rivera. Obviously, you know, if it works, then it seems like a great idea, but it didn't. And so we have to say, hey, you know, you, you benched Dwayne Haskins because you wanted this team to win, and then you lose to one of the few winless teams in football um, because you decide to go for two at the end. Um, both these teams are bad. Both these teams would, um, you know, move on from their quarterback situation just like the... Uh, we just talked about three games. I'd say every quarterback in those three games is replaceable. Um, just in the Lions, the Jaguars, the Falcons, the Vikings, the Giants, the Washington football team... All of those teams are one and five, except for the Lions, who are two and three. I think all six of those teams would move on from their quarterbacks, um, depending on where they can pick at the top of the draft. Some of these guys are going to have to stick with their current quarterback situation. You know, there might be three quarterbacks that are selected in the top ten, but there are a handful of teams that would make the move. So positioning in this draft is going to be more important than ever. Um, you know, so it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams monitor their seasons. Are they just going to cast it in and say, hey, we're just going to try and get the best draft position possible? Because, um, look, 
if you've got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and and Trey Lance, and then you've got eight teams in the top ten that want to take quarterbacks, uh, draft position is going to be so crucial this year. Um, Giants win that one, first win of the season, twenty to nineteen. Really, um, really interesting game. Eye-opening game in Philadelphia. The Baltimore Ravens do hold on to the win, thirty to twenty-eight over the Eagles. Baltimore now five and one. Philadelphia falls to one four and one. Here is my thing on the Ravens. With each passing week, I am becoming less and less confident that they are a legit team that we can consider as Super Bowl threats. Um, I, just not being able to put away a team after taking a what? Let's let's just do the math here. A twenty-four to six lead entering the fourth quarter. Not being able to put them away and to allow Philadelphia to score 22 points in the fourth, um, almost having a chance to win that game, it just isn't. It, it's it it doesn't give me confidence in the Ravens this year. It really doesn't. And I it, the biggest thing to me is like yes, Lamar Jackson is also considered in that running game. You know when I say this, you know he did run for 100 yards yesterday, but outside of Lamar. I am not impressed with what we get from J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Mark Ingram, who was banged up yesterday. Um, he got hurt. Hopefully he can come back healthy after their bye week. Big matchup coming with the Steelers. But, man, I just I don't get allowing them. Let's take a look at the drives for the Ravens in, in the second half. Okay, so they start off in the third quarter. Nine-play drive, end up having to punt. Uh, scored on their second drive, which made it 24-6. to Um then a three and out to finish out the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, field goal, field goal, punt. They only had the ball for a total of 14 plays in the fourth quarter. Um, they got one first down in that first drive, seven plays. Uh, I just, I don't know. A team like Philadelphia has no business against the Ravens if the Ravens are a legit Super Bowl contender. Um, and the way that they've hung around, I just... I don't feel confident about the run game. The defense is still good. And it was really a lot of just Carson Wentz being magical again. Like, hey, I may have had my doubts to start the season. I got to put them away. He is a legit franchise quarterback still. He just he doesn't have the pieces around him, unfortunately, still. so. Um, but, but Ravens, hold on. They get the win. They're a great regular season team. I just... I, I got to say, the more and more that I watch them play, the less confident I am that this could be a team that can challenge Kansas City. That could challenge in the Super Bowl, you know, the the uh, Packers or the Buccaneers. Or, hey, let's start talking about the Bills and the Titans. You know, are, are they a team that can really go up against these guys and go toe-to-toe um, with, with the more complete rosters in football? I don't know. They keep letting some of these teams hang around for too long that mean no business hanging around. And then against great teams, they do seem to struggle. So... I have my concerns about the Ravens. Um, of course, like I said, the, the big game is coming up against the Steelers, so how they handle um, a, a talented team like Pittsburgh is going to be very interesting. And let's move on to talk about that game. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, this is another one where Blake was wrong this past weekend. I was all over the Browns. I was all over Cleveland. It was one of my favorite bets of the week, plus three and a half. Um, they got dominated. And so, you know, last week I apologized to the Panthers. I said, hey, my apologies. I didn't think you were going to be good this quick. My apology to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I 
I was wrong. I, you guys are a talented team. Um, you know, 5-0 and for the second time in franchise history. Uh, the last time was back in 1978. They dominated the Browns. 38-7. to They made Baker Mayfield uncomfortable. And when Baker Mayfield is uncomfortable, Baker Mayfield is bad. He was 10 of 18, 119 yards, one touchdown and two picks before he was benched for Case Keenum. Yes, Baker was playing hurt, also to consider in there, but he did not look comfortable from the opening snap. Pittsburgh was all over him. That front seven is filthy. Um, and on offense, look, they, they did make it pretty easy. You know, they got a lot going in the run game. Got to hand it off to him, James Conner. 100 yards on the ground, one touchdown, five yards of carry. Very impressive showing. You know, the passing offense didn't do a whole lot. Big Ben threw for 162 yards. It was a lot of dink and dunk throughout the game. You had guys like James Washington, Chase Claypool show up. Juju, man. Um, my th Juju just, for some reason, I've, I've just always felt, I've always been kind of down on Juju Smith-Schuster. Hasn't looked a whole... Um, a lot impressive these last two weeks, certainly. I don't know. Pittsburgh, 5-0. I got to give them credit. They have been better than I thought they were. I still, you know, I'm still, you know, not really taking them that seriously. You know, 5-0, I have to give a certain amount of respect, but I don't know. For some reason, I'm just still low on the brown. You know, it, it'll come down to, it'll come down to the Ravens. This, this week eight matchup between the Steelers and the Ravens is a massive one. Both teams are very good, but we're going to learn a lot about them um, because really this is, you know, it's these two for the division. Uh, it's these two for, I guess, you know, you know one of the top four teams in the AFC. So uh, really interesting to see how that game falls out. But I'm still, I still have my reservations about both teams. You know, whoever walks away from that game, I'll feel pretty good about. And then for the Browns, man, I... I don't know. It, it's it's frustrating. Obviously, not having Nick Chubb hurts your run game. Having a banged up Baker Mayfield hurts your passing game. There's too much talent on this team. There is. There's too much talent to only put up seven points against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is just one of those classic, like, everybody's starting to buy into the Browns, and then they just lay a goose egg. They're great against the rest of the NFL. Against the, the Ravens and the Steelers, they're terrible. That division just owns the Browns. Um, fortunately, you know, you have more games left in the season, not against those teams. You only play them each once more. So you've got a lot more left to play um, to hopefully fight for a playoff position. I still think that this is a playoff caliber team. I just, uh, I just, I really thought they were going to go in there and, and, and finally get a win in Pittsburgh. Obviously, Pittsburgh has now beaten the Browns at home for 18 straight years. That's a lot of years. Um, and yeah, I got I to gotta show some respect to the Steelers. They, you know... Much like the Panthers last week, I can say, hey, you, you've proved me wrong. Um, I have to take you more seriously than I have. I still have my reservations, though. All right, let's keep moving along. One final game in the early slate. Or actually, no, a few more games in the early slate to talk about. My apologies. So let's go to uh, Tennessee, where the Titans, in a doozy of a game, moved to 5-0 and for the second time in franchise history. Uh, that was in 2008. They beat the Texans 42-36. to Really, really interesting game here. Um, obviously, the, the Titans jump out to an early 21-10 lead. Houston storms back in the second half, as they always do with Deshaun Watson. You can never count that quarterback out. 
uh, just to take a look at his numbers, 28 of 37, 335, and four touchdowns. He was magnificent. Um, all the meanwhile, the run game uh, was very bad. David Johnson, three yards a carry, uh, 19 carries for 57 yards, did get a touchdown. It's the Will Fuller game where he just randomly pops out and does well. Six catches, 123 yards, and one touchdown. Brandon Cooks and Darren Fells also were getting involved in the passing offense. Um, we got to talk about this decision at the end of the game. Houston scores a touchdown. If they kick the extra point, it is an eight-point game. So all Tennessee has to do is score a touchdown, and then they have to get the two-point conversion. Difficult. Difficult to do. Or... You go for two. If you get it, game is essentially over. The game is finished. You know, Houston had all the momentum in the second half, really. Um, you know, the Titans didn't score at all in the third quarter. They were going toe-to-toe -to -toe with you in the fourth. But you were the hot team in the second half, so you think, okay, we get the two-point conversion. We go up nine. The game is over. But if we don't get it, they just have to score a touchdown. Forget the two-point conversion. I'm on the side of... of Make it an eight-point game. I don't get, you know, an extra point is is no certain thing at, at this time anymore, but a, I'd rather take the eight-point lead and trust my defense to, even if they score, to stop the two-point conversion. Obviously, they made the decision to go the opposite way. Titans march on down. Derrick Henry, direct snap for the touchdown. All they have to do is kick the extra point. It goes into overtime. Um, and of course, as we all saw Deshaun Watson's reaction to when they lost the coin toss, they knew that thing was over. Uh, give the ball to Tractor Cito. Uh, Derrick Henry, 22 carries, 212 yards, two touchdowns. Just on the ground, through the air, two catches for 52 yards as well, too. Um, Titans are a legit, legit team. I mean, man. Ryan Tannehill is playing like one of the top quarterbacks in football since he became the starter. Um, I think... Look, another place where I, where I have to say, like, hey, I, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I, I thought the Ryan Tannehill kind of show would fizz out a little bit to start this year. It has not slowed down at all. 30 of 41 for 364, four touchdowns. Did throw an interception, but he has been phenomenal as, as the Titans quarterback. I mean, it is just night and day from what we saw in Miami. They've got things figured out here in Tennessee. They are a legit, legit team. Um Especially able to pull out a game like this where you shouldn't, you, you didn't deserve to win. You know, you didn't. You, you had the early lead, but you let a team like Houston come back. They score 26 points in the second half. Um, you know, you those are games that you should be losing. They find a way to, a way to win. This is a legit Tennessee team. Um, really impressive on both sides of the ball. Super well coached. I mean, God, is there... Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in football. He really is. You know, we talk about guys across the league. You know, there's obviously Bill Belichick is the GOAT. Um, you know, you've got talented guys like, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. I'm a big guy on, on uh, Brian Flores. I think he's a terrific head coach in Miami. Sean McDermott in Buffalo. There are a lot of good coaches in this league. You have to start mentioning Mike Vrabel's name uh, among that list. He's been terrific. Um Offensive coordinator Arthur Smith has been great. It, they just have it figured out in Tennessee right now. Um, really impressed by the Titans' play. I mean, t on short notice, after after you know not being able to practice, you go in there, you destroy the Red Hot Buffalo Bills, destroy them, and then on short rest are able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Deshaun Watson. Sloppy of a game, but you're still able to pull it out. 
I'm, I, I'm loving the Titans right now. I think they might be... God, they're in the... They're... I have my questions about Baltimore still. I still think that if the, the Titans and the Ravens played again, I think the Titans still win that one pretty easily. I think the Titans might be the second best team in the AFC. I'm still giving the edge to Kansas City. I'll, I'll, I'll take those, those talented players on offense any day of the week. I know they lost to the Raiders. I still take the Chiefs over the field in the AFC, but... Tennessee might be the second best team in the AFC. Uh, it's it's between them and Buffalo. Obviously, they destroyed Buffalo. That was a kind of a glitchy week where Buffalo didn't have their top two corners. They didn't have their number two wide receiver. I think you play that game ten times. I think Buffalo probably wins about six of them. Or maybe they split it down right five and five. The Titans might be the second best team in the AFC. Really love what they've got going on. Uh, last early morning game to or early afternoon game to talk about just a, a complete shit show by the New England Patriots. I mean, it was ugly on offense. Um, the Denver Broncos win this one 18 to 12. New England below 500 in October for the first time since 2001, I believe, or it's their worst start since 2001. Um, Denver moves to 2-3. and three. Just the ugliest of ugly games. I mean, let's just take a look at the stats here. Let's just pull this up real quick. So Drew Locke, 10-24, 189, two picks. Ugh, rough game for him. Cam Newton, 17-25, very efficient, 175 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, did add 76 yards on the ground. Um, aside from when New England was running trick plays, their offense was not moving up and down the field. It was, you know, Julian Edelman completing two passes. It was end arounds. It was some fakes. You know, Cam Newton runs. That was all they had. There was nothing that was just a normal play that worked for New England. The running backs sucked. Damian Harris was the leading rusher, uh, aside from Cam Newton, with 19 yards. Your leading receiver was James White with 65 yards. I mean, man. This, the Patriots. I, I'm gonna. I, the the thing is, is that I never want to count out Bill Belichick. Whenever I try to count him out and I try and count out a Patriots team, they always kind of come back and bite me in the butt. I gotta say, just taking a look at the weapons on offense, this team isn't legit. This isn't a legit team that can be trusted as to to make the playoffs. To me, there are too many good teams in the league right now. You know, Buffalo is, to me, the clear best team in that division. The AFC North has three teams that will be fighting for the playoffs. The AFC South has two teams that will be fighting for the playoffs. And in the West, yeah, they've already beaten the Raiders. The Chiefs are there, obviously. The Chargers are an up-and-coming team. Denver, of course, just beat them this past week. Man, I mean, you take a look at, at these receiving Stats. It's Demir Bird, three catches, 38 yards. Ryan Izzo, three catches, 38 yards. Cam Newton was the fourth leading receiver. One catch, 16 yards. Julian Edelman, two catches, eight yards. Nikhil Harry, zero catches in that game on two targets. It's just the, the offense. It's it, it just looks lost. It looks lost. Um, obviously, you know, they need to get Sony Michelle back. I think they still, if they want to consider themselves a playoff team this year, they have to trade for a receiver. They have to get receiving talent. And they need to do it right this time. You know, not trade for Mohamed Sanu and give up a second-round pick. 
uh, just to release him, you know, after a couple lackluster games. I just, I don't know. I'm down on the Patriots. This was one of those games where you just say, Jesus, things look bad in New England. Um, and for Denver, things didn't look great for you either. You had, you had six field goals, you know. That's really it. I mean, let me make sure I'm getting that right. There were no touchdowns here on offense, correct? Yeah. Nothing. Okay. Ugly game. Don't feel great about either of these teams. Hats off to Denver. They've hung around. You know, that's what I'll say. Denver is 2-3. and three. They've beaten the Patriots, and they've hung around teams. They've hung around the Titans. Um, they hung around the Steelers. You know, we have to think highly of Denver. Despite the record, they've gone through a ton of injuries, but they've hung around just about everybody. Um, let's move in to the late afternoon games. Uh, three games left to talk about. Jets-Dolphins. No need to spend too much time on this. Dolphins move to 3-3. Three and three. Jets 0-6. Oh uh, they shut out the Jets 24-0. Uh, New York is 0-6 oh for the second time in franchise history dating back to 1996. This is the worst team in football. This is one of the worst football teams we've seen in the last 20 years. It's going to be up there with the 2-14 Colts, the 0-16 oh Browns, the 0-16 oh Lions. This team... Will not win a game this season. They won't. They, the Dolphins are the least talented team that they have to play through the rest of the year. Let me repeat that again. The Dolphins, who just shut them out 24-0, are the easiest opponent that they have through the rest of the year. Let's go through the schedule. Next up, they've got the Buffalo Bills. Then the Kansas City Chiefs. Then the New England Patriots. Then the Los Angeles Chargers. Then the Dolphins again. Then they finish off the season Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Patriots. You find the win in there for me. There isn't one. There isn't a win in the rest of that schedule. This is going to be an 0-16 team. I was always on the side of like, hey, let's, let's fire Adam Gase midseason. Now I'm kind of on the boat like, this is his mess. He's created this problem. He should, be, he should be the one responsible for taking these losses. I don't think that we should be promoting coordinators and saying, hey, here's your shot at being a head coach in the National Football League. Let's just add eight losses to begin your career. That'll be great for you, won't it? No, this is Adam Gase's problem. This is his fault. He needs to be responsible for the 16 losses. I was on the side of like, let's see if we've got anything in the coaching staff that is that is that could, you know, bring things forward. Um, I don't think it is. I think that, you know, I think that you can't get anything out of this roster. So I, I'm all in on Gase through the rest of the season. This is all his fault. He needs to be held responsible for it. Don't don't let him off easy. He needs, he needs these losses on his record. So when he finishes as the New York Jets, he doesn't get another head coaching job again. We can take a look at his record and say he is responsible for this 0-16 season. Because it really is. Yeah, there's not talent, but man, I mean, they have just, they have had talent. He's soiled the relationships with that talent. It's just been a mess. It's been so bad. It's it's frustrating. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with uh, the New York Jets. Miami, 3-3 three and three now. Ryan Fitzpatrick, two games in a row where he's looked pretty good. Um, to me, this is a beat bad teams, maybe keep things... Maybe get some ugly wins against a, uh, against you know some somewhat good teams. 
to me, Miami realistically is probably a six and ten or seven and nine team. Um, really, really just love what they're building down there. It's just going to take some time. The only thing that I don't love, the only thing that I don't love is uh, is obviously Tua. I'm not a big Tua guy. Um, wish him all the well. I want him to succeed, but I just I don't think he has um, the talent to be a franchise quarterback in this league. Um, but I love what they're building in Miami. Pretty easy win for him. Uh, let's see. Let's go to what I had called the what was supposed to be the game of the week was the blowout of the week. Um, the Green Bay Packers lose their first game of the season, 38 to 10 in Tampa. Uh, the Buccaneers move to four and two on the season. Green Bay now to four and one. Ugly game. Started off great for the Packers. Started off tremendous. 10-0 lead, looking great. Then uh, two interceptions deep in their own territory by Aaron Rodgers. One return for a touchdown. Tampa Bay scores 28 unanswered in the second quarter. They score 38 unanswered throughout the rest of the game. Um, oh, okay. So let's let's talk about this one. We got to spend a little time on this because Green Bay was the team that I said was the best team in football. Um, and, and what we saw yesterday was exactly what we saw as, as, as the biggest problem for the Packers in 2019. You can be physical with this Green Bay team on both sides of the ball and just flat out dominate them. If you are a physical football team, you can give the Packers nightmares. The offensive line can't play aggressive enough to establish a great run game. I love me some Aaron Jones. I love me some Jamal Williams. They are not hard-hitting runners. Um, you know, A.J. Dillon is really the big thumper in that backfield. They don't give him a ton of touches, obviously. Um, and then on defense, the front seven, it, it's very finesse. It's very, you know, pass rush moves on the edge, creative blitzes. But if, if a team wants to just play bully ball with you, they will dominate you in those trenches. And we saw it last year with the 49ers twice. 49ers just lit up the Packers' front seven in the run game. We saw it here with Tampa. Let's just take a look at the numbers. Ronald Jones, 23 carries, 113 yards, average five yards a carry. Keyshawn Vaughn with five carries, 42 yards, 8.4 yards a carry. Um, really just tore him apart uh, in that front seven. So um, I obviously have to lower my expectations for the Green Bay Packers. I think you got to look here and say, hey, teams like the Rams, who play really physical on both sides of the football, they could give the Packers fits. Even the 49ers. And we'll talk about that game next. The 49ers are still a team that can play extremely physical in the trenches and, and really give you a tough time if you're Green Bay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another team we just saw yesterday. They can pound you inside. Um, now, I'm still I'm, I'm not bailing on the Packers. You know, they were my pick to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I still think that they are one of the more complete rosters in football. Their secondary is tremendous, but it's just these type of teams will give them fits. You know, uh, if you give me Green Bay and Seattle, I'm going to take Green Bay. You know, Seattle isn't a team with a terrific front seven or a great offensive line that can just bully the Packers' defensive front. I, I give the Packers the edge against, against the Seahawks. Uh, I'd give them the edge against, I mean, let's just think of other teams in the NFC. I'd give them the edge against the Saints, as we saw. You know, they already got the win there a couple weeks ago. But they're a team that's not scary uh, in the trenches. But it's those teams like the 49ers, the Rams, and the Buccaneers that if they can just pound the rock between the tackles, get a few plays to their tight ends, um, 
they can have a pretty easy time with the Packers. So uh, really embarrassing game for Green Bay. Of course, their first loss of the season, not bailing on them. I still think they're a terrific football team, but man, it's, it's a glaring problem for this football team. The rest of the NFL has to know this. If, if, you are, if you have a somewhat good offensive line, if you can run the ball, and if your defensive front is stout at the defensive line and linebacker position, you can beat the Packers pretty easily. Um, and then for, for Tampa Bay, look, they might be the best team in the NFC. If I'm, if I'm taking away from the Packers and I'm saying, hey, this type of team gives you fits. What type of team gives Tampa Bay fits? There isn't a specific prototype to beat the Buccaneers yet. We haven't seen it. You know, the Bears had an ugly game with them, a game that Tampa probably should have won. First week of the season, you lose to the Saints, but that's more of just like, hey, the Buccaneers still haven't you know been able to really play together at all. That's their first live action playing together, a new constructed team. Um, Tampa Bay might be the best team in the NFC. They're really complete on both sides of the football. They just traded for the Jets' uh, nose tackle after they lose Vita Vea, so they're still getting more big bodies in the middle of that defense to help out. Todd Bowles, one of the best defensive coordinators in football. He has been electric this year. Please, Todd, stay as a defensive coordinator. Do not become another head coach. Just stay with what you're great at. Um, and then, yeah, look, Brady didn't have to do a lot, but he was good. They got Gronk involved a lot, which was nice to see. They just didn't have to do a lot on offense because they just had to run the ball. And on the other side, they knew that their defense would do the job against Green Bay. They roughed them up. Pretty easy win for the Buccaneers. I'm talking myself into it. They're the best team in the NFC right now. They don't have... There's not a prototype for how to beat them. If there is one, it's for those teams with really great vertical passing attacks. You know, we saw the Chargers really be able to stretch the field. You know, Justin Herbert was launching a lot of deep passes. So the secondary is still the area of concern. But, man, um, really good football team in Tampa Bay. All right, let's finish this one up. We've been talking for a while. Let's go to Sunday Night Football, the San Francisco 49ers. I was all over this one. Um, win against the Los Angeles Rams, 24-16. San Francisco, 3-3 three three now. The Rams fall 2-4-2. Um, man, you know, the my takeaway from this game is, you know, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo, you've got Jared Goff going back and forth with each other. I've got to think that both Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are like, Jesus, can we please get different quarterbacks in this locker room? I think Kyle is probably more upset than than McVay is. I think Goff is more talented than Garoppolo, but geez, both of them are just, they're rough. They're not consistent. Um, and, and, you know, for guys that are offensive wizards like Shanahan and McVay, imagine what just having a great quarterback would mean for them. You know, we saw how great Kyle Shanahan was with with Kirk Cousins in Washington, uh, with um, with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. You know, Sean is the same way. I think if you give him like a talented quarterback that is just consistently great, I mean, both of these coaches would just fall in love to get one of those guys. Um, but hey, so so the 49ers pulled this one off. I was on them plus three and a half. I thought that they. Uh, two things that I said, the Rams have been traveling a bunch, you know, to the East Coast, three of the last four weeks, back and forth to LA. Um, they also really struggle against 12 personnel, and the 49ers run a lot of 12 personnel. Um, they got the run game going. Jimmy G uh, just had to 
kind of, you know, he had it, he had it pretty easy. Um, they had a lot going in the run game. They did a lot of trickery. They got George Kittle involved. Huge game for Debo Samuel. Um, he took six catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. Also had that end around to close out the game. Um, look, these teams are always going to play each other tough. They always are. They're always going to play each other tight. This is one of those games for the Rams that I say, look, I'm not jumping ship. I still think that you are the better football team. Um, obviously, you'll get to play the 49ers again later in the season. Hopefully, you take that one um, instead of falling 0-2 to them this year. 49ers, I look, they're still going to push for a playoff spot. I think that they've got too many injuries on defense to consistently win games like this. Um, but they'll be a good team. They could still be a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight team. Hell, I could see 9-7 and seven too. But I don't know. I, I, I think the Rams, this is kind of just a, hey, we've been traveling a bunch. Um, we, we kind of are just gassed right now. We've got a tough opponent coming in who is, you know, starting to gain a little momentum after they beat, you know, two weeks ago. They took on the, uh, two weeks ago they, they beat, or sorry, they've, sorry, they've lost two in a row. I'm completely off on that one. I'm, I'm thinking the opposite way around. They've got a team that has been roughed up a couple times. They need this win to save their season. Uh, the saying goes, the, the hungry dog runs faster. Um, San Francisco needed this win to save its season, to keep its season alive. They go out there, they take care of it. I think this is just two talented teams that are always going to play each other tight. And uh, and in this case, Jared Koff didn't do enough. Um, really, really bad game for Cooper Cup. I mean, let's take a look at his stats. It was uh, really upsetting. Three catches for 11 yards, nine targets. He had a lot of drops in this one. The connection with Goff is off. Goff, low completion percentage, 19 to 38, through an interception as well, too. Um, just one of those fluky games. I'm not abandoning, I'm not jumping ship on the Rams. I'm not saying, oh, the 49ers are now, you know, the second best team in that division behind the Seahawks. Honestly, I still think the Rams are the most complete roster right now just with everybody that's healthy in that division. Uh, it's just, look, you're not going to go 16-0. and You're probably not going to go 15-1. and So sometimes you're going to lose these games, and they lose to the 49ers here. Um, so that is all I got for the games on Sunday. Uh, just... Predictions for Monday Night Football. I'm going to take the Chiefs over the Bills. I just think the more talented team wins there. Um, it'll be high scoring, though. You know, this Chiefs defense isn't great. And then in the other game, I'm on Dallas tonight. I'm on Dallas over Arizona. I know everybody's like, oh, the, the drop-off between Dak and Andy, and I agree there is a drop-off. But I just think um, I just think that the talent on offense is going to be enough for Andy Dalton to do a good job. Um, and the Cardinals are shaky. They're inconsistent. I know the Cowboys' defense is really bad, so they're going to put up a lot of points too. But, you know, all you got to do is really play DeAndre Hopkins tight, and Kyler Murray struggles throwing the football to other receivers. So um, I'm on tonight, uh, the, the Chiefs and the Cowboys. So we'll see how that one plays out. We'll be back in the middle of the week talking some league-wide news, maybe do another top 10 rankings, maybe talk some college football as well too. Friday we will be back with Teddy. Um, I know I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but please – like and subscribe, leave a review on the show, share it with your friends, um, tell me what you like about it. I really appreciate the support. Thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Blake Pace. I will talk to you guys later this week. Peace.